We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's me, Joe Pizzavia, and this is the Rotowire DFS podcast sponsored by FanDuel. As always, I am your host. It's Friday. I hope you had a, a wonderful Thanksgiving. I know uh, I'm rolling in here uh, overloaded, too much pie, but uh, I have no one to blame but myself for that. But that's okay. I'm going to take responsibility for my actions. That's step one of the healing process. And step two is bringing in my partner, the one, the only, John McKechnie. Johnny boy, welcome back to the grind, my friend. How the hell are you? Doing great. You know, Thanksgiving was wonderful. I enjoyed a completely vegan feast. And uh, yeah, I totally ate completely healthy with no overeating or anything like that. Totally. That's gross, dude. Don't I'm, even bring that vegan noise here, man. I, I am completely kidding. <laughs> we, we, we went ham on the turkey, so yeah, no worries there. I didn't want, don't want to scare off the listeners there. Yeah, we did ham because uh, I guess turkey's overrated and I don't know, whatever, the turkey. But just give me a nice ham and then, you know, I'm, I'm expecting the rest of the weekend there'll be ham for breakfast, ham for lunch, and ham for dinner, and that's, uh, that's good. So you can't have turkey for breakfast, that's just... This is wrong. That is, uh, that is extremely wrong. That's a fair point. It really Thanksgiving's about the sides anyway. Right. Uh, more sides, the better. Uh, you, what's, your, what's your side? What's your go-to side? What was it? Um, the, the stuffing is always great. My uncle, uh, he's Italian as well, so he, he makes great stuffing. Um, so I feel like you can appreciate that. It's really good. And then uh, the dessert, I got to say pumpkin pie is my go-to. How about yourself? Uh, I do all the pies. I like the pie sampler, which means that I like to have a piece of every pie, whether it be pumpkin, pecan, apple, sweet potato. It doesn't matter. Uh, I like all the pies. Chocolate cream would be good, but we don't, we don't do that one. But uh, I, I make a cornbread souffle that, that's very good. And I like hey, squash. I like Joe. I'm a fancy boy. Uh, you know what? You know, if you listen to the podcast the last year or so far now, I think you realize that I'm a fancy pants and that's fine. You know, these are the pants I choose to wear. And they're also pants that are going to help you win money in Daily Fantasy. So let's get at it. Week 12 is upon us. And uh, before we get you know too far into the quarterbacks, let's just start with the big quarterback news of the week, which is 
Tyrod Taylor's back. Shocking, isn't it, that Peterman got only one start after the five picks and one half? I'm just bummed because I don't get to do Peterman voice anymore. I will, I will miss the Peterman voice. I mean, maybe, maybe the Bills will, uh, will be stupid again. And, you know, if Tyrod doesn't – whatever it is that, that Tyrod doesn't accomplish in their eyes, maybe they'll turn back to Peterman and we'll bring, the, bring back the Peterman voice. But, yeah, that, that was – we knew it was going to go badly, but I, I don't think either of us foresaw – uh, that sort of like just insane meltdown. No, it's uh, it was beyond awful. But let's talk. Let's move on anyway. We'll talk about this week. Tom Brady, ninety one hundred. Carson Wentz, eighty nine. Russell Wilson, eighty six. Cam Newton, eight K. Roethlisberger, seventy nine. I think that's where I'm going to stop with the real top level guys. Now it's a Roethlisberger at home game against Green Bay. It's Cam Newton on the road coming off a, a excellent day. Then you got Russell Wilson, who's been running all over the place as well as Newton. Uh, Carson Wentz looking invincible and Tom Brady looking, oh, wait, like the greatest of all time. But I got to say, for me, I'm going to land in the middle of this group. And I think Russell Wilson against San Fran, although it might be chalky with the lack of running game, I think he's the best, or should I say, the safest return on cash investment that I don't have to go all the way up to Tom Brady, but it also has a little bit more floor, I think, than what I've seen out of Roethlisberger. How about you with these big five guys on the slate? Which way would you go? I think that that's a really good assessment. I think, you know, a, a lot of times we'll talk about the, the chalk, but the chalk be, being the correct chalk. And I think Wilson sort of sort of fits that bill. Uh, going against the 49ers, one of the worst defenses across the board, if you name it, you know, go, going against the run or the pass. Uh, as we saw this past Monday, Russell Wilson, a little more comfortable running the ball now and ran in for, for a score. I think that's definitely on the table uh, when you consider that, uh, you know, Seahawks were inside the five, didn't even have Eddie Lacy on the field for, for that. So um, it, sh- it shows that Wilson can be, you know, an option B uh, deep inside the red zone as a runner. Um, so you've got to like that that element to it. I like Brady the most, and I think that that, that kind of fits in as to why he's the highest price quarterback this week. Uh, but that, that has to do with him being at home against the Miami defense that's, I think, second to worst in terms of DVOA against the pass. I think he's going to absolutely shred Miami. Um, so I do like the the Russell Wilson and the saving five hundred bucks, but I'm probably going to try to go uh, with the Brady lineup. All right, now I'm pissed off because Drew Brees finally had a Drew Brees game in the dome last week, and all year we've been waiting for one, and we finally got it when none of us talked about him at all. Then you got Mariota coming off a dreadful performance where he threw a hundred picks. Well, I'm exaggerating; it was more like ninety-seven. I blame the Sky Cam. I think the Spy Cam screwed him up. Or the right. Sky- him up. <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. But then his matchup is against Indianapolis, and he got Matt Ryan, who's played much better in the last four or five games, and he's at home against Tampa. It's just a tricky spot here, you know, because when we look at tournament, you know, on paper, yeah, Mariota's matchup is very good. Yeah, Ryan's matchup is very good. And then you got Alex Smith playing Buffalo at home, coming off a dreadful loss. You know, I'm not sure which way here to go on tournaments because I think you can make a case for a lot of them. For me personally, I think the way things are trending and the way things are going and trying to stick with, you know, the pass attack concept of it, I'm almost willing to take the flyer on Mariota. And my reasoning is I think the ownership will be less. And I think the opportunity is still there, but how about you? Is there, is there a tournament quarterback or even maybe somebody lower down than this second tier group that you feel comfortable with thrown out there? Yeah, I definitely see what you mean with Mariota, and I think people will have that that bitter taste in their mouth from that Steelers game. Uh, and you you got to figure out that or figure that that matchup uh, is really really favorable for Mariota. Uh, it's a, it's a defense that's a little bit beleaguered. 
Uh, it's missing one of its best playmakers, the, the rookie. Um, so that that's tough. But I, I think I like Matt Ryan for the for the fact that I think Tampa Bay's defense is really really terrible. Like it, it's it's basically at Indianapolis's level in my opinion, and, and also uh, by the numbers. So Matt Ryan at home, I think I like him a little bit better at seventy six hundred. And he he was impressive against the Seahawks this past Monday. I, I really was uh, kind of surprised by that, but I think that. Maybe he can keep that rolling at home against a divisional opponent. And then uh, to touch on Breeze, uh, like you said, last week was really impressive. But the, coming up this week against a, a Rams team that just kind of uh, got humbled on the road, they're going to be at home, and they've been really, really tough defensively at home this year. So I'm a little bit worried about using Breeze. Again, I think that Ryan would be my pick of these crews, of these guys. All right, Paxton Lynch also uh, going to be quarterbacking. He's going in at Oakland. Oakland just got absolutely shredded by Tom Brady and company last week. They fired their defensive coordinator. The Broncos fired their offensive coordinator. To me, John, I think they should just put each of the coordinators together on like those pedestals that used to be on like American Gladiators and let the fired coordinators fight it out like joust American Gladiator style <laughs> rather than play this game at all. I mean that that would certainly be more entertaining this game I'll tell you that much right now I don't this is this is just ugly it's a it's a matchup of two teams that, that had some you know some high hopes coming into the year that have just completely fallen flat like you said um, that things went horribly for Oakland this past week and you know things are bad when Paxton Lynch is the best quarterback option uh, on your team so if you're Denver uh, that's pr- that's trouble right there um, I mean, do, do you think that, it, that a car or even a Lynch ha, have any sort of uh, DFS viability this week? I, I, I don't think so. You know, I, I don't think there's enough there to like, although I do think, and maybe this will come up later on the show, we'll find out. I think Lynch is going to be better than, than people think. I think the matchup is very favorable. I think Oakland is a huge fraud. Uh, I don't care. You fire a coordinator. It's not going to change the personnel. The personnel there is just not very good. Right. And, you know, last year there were some moments there for him, uh, you know, where he played okay. You know, you can go back to the Tampa game last year where he had some moments. I know that's not the greatest defense either to get a judge on, but I'll tell you what, it's not enough in season long for me to sit guys like Sanders and Thomas, but it's not enough to get excited about either uh, on the other end of this. How about Blaine Gabbert? too with his uh i mean he's 6300 he's coming off a big time performance of course now he's got you know i mean he put up 21 last week and now he's got the jacksonville jaguars so i guess here's the question is he a guy you want to talk about like dart throws of all time against the you know the number one ranked defense are you feeling that crazy maybe would you take a shot with the way gabber played yeah i mean the 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 21 points i think that that probably a little bit more of a Houston problem than like a, a Blaine Gabbert, uh, you know, showing some, showing some, you know, mid-career, uh, late-career promise. Um, it, I guess really what it comes down to is if you're looking for that like 0.1% owned quarterback, then that Gabbert's probably your guy considering that, uh, you know, Jacksonville is so, so tough uh, defensively, especially in the secondary. So you are getting extremely low ownership and you, you got the flexibility to really load up uh, at the rest of your at the rest of your positions, if you choose to go this Gabbert route, um, I guess I'd probably go with Lynch going against the the Oakland defense rather than uh, going going with uh, Gabbert against the Jaguars. But I see what you're saying there, where it might just be crazy enough to work. 
Yeah, and, and when you look at this quarterback slate, that's why I like Wilson so much because I think the 86 is reasonable for him. And I would probably also take the chance on Cam Newton against the Jets. The Jets are starting to sputter out of control right. and they're starting to become who everybody thought they were. And you look at the last two games, you got nine for 86 on the ground for Cam Newton and five for 95. So he's running around a lot more. That's the Cam Newton in fantasy, especially in daily that you want where there's the upside for the rushing touchdown. So I think Wilson, Cam Newton, probably safe. I mean, you could even get a run with Roethlisberger, any of those three. I still think you could put a decent tournament lineup together but as we get to wide receiver, you're going to start to see it. it's pretty tough out there, kids. So uh, we're going to take you through it. Le'Veon Bell, top of the running back class, 9,400 against the Packers. Is he worth that enormous premium, John, in your opinion? I say no. What say you? I, I don't think so either. I've had a hard time, uh, you know, capitalizing on the, on the running backs that, that are priced over 9K this year. I think that, you know, it's interesting because we've talked about how it's important to get the premium running backs in, into your lineups because receivers been so tough to navigate for the most part this year, but bell at 94, I know the volume is always there. It's almost, almost feels irresponsible how much, uh, how much action the, the Steelers are giving bell. You know, he's on, on pace for a just astronomical amount of touches by the, by the end of this season. Um, but green Bay for as bad as they looked this past week, they weren't bad against the run at all. You know, they held Alex Collins, uh, to 50 yards on, I believe, 20 carries. So they, they are still tough against the run. Of course, with Bell, you got to account uh, for the pass-catching ability there, and it, that's obviously a big part of his game. But still, I, do I think that, that he reaches that 20-point threshold that you need for him at, at 9,400? I'm not so sure that he does. And if he doesn't, the what the investment you made, I think, just completely takes him out of it. Let's talk about uh, – I mean, Gurley's always been solid this year. 85, I still have a hard time with that one. Ingram and Kamara – 82 and 81 respectively. Uh, I love them both in this game. I'm probably going to lean slightly to Kamara just to get the, just to get the extra points for their receptions. I really am. You know, I, I think at this point that's, it's just a preference. They're each getting end zone opportunities. I'll go for the extra points, the cheap points there, if I'm going to go with one, but I think you can absolutely go with both. Who's your favorite Saints running back if you had to only pick one this week? Uh, I definitely, I definitely get what you what you mean with the extra points uh, there, but I might go Ingram because he's the more expensive of the two, so maybe that that bumps his ownership down slightly. Mm. Although it's it's a very it's a very minimum uh, price difference, but also the Rams where where they're soft in their defense is is against the run. I think that Ingram probably sees more carries, so I think it sets up slightly more favorably for him. But you know, like you said, you, you know, this is like picking between uh, you know option A and option B of, of you know it's great. Uh, either way, uh, I love Kamara this week, but I like Ingram just a little bit more. All right, despite Peterman being terrible, we nailed LaShawn McCoy last week. Uh, 13 for 114 uh, with a touchdown. He also had a receiving touchdown as well, put up 25 points. And bested Jay Ajayi, which we'll get to later on in the program. Give Ajayi the ball. He's uh, playing it. Come on. <laughs> Leonard Fournette played despite the ankle injury. Uh, you know, he didn't reach quite the value that we thought, but all of a sudden now he's back down to 8,100, which is a much a much better spot for him. Uh, he doesn't expect the ankle to be fully healthy the rest of the season. So then it comes down to, with this price suppression, is 8,100 in this matchup enough for you to get excited, or is the ankle enough to scare you away still, even at this price? You know, the, the ankle is something that I was telling you about few weeks back that, mm-hmm. that that that's something that derailed most of his junior year his last year at LSU uh it's something that happened to him in preseason and, and he just played on it the rest of the way but 
it really started to bug him. This past week, you know, he was able to do pretty well against the Browns, um, and that, that was kind of surprising considering that the Browns are actually sneakily good against the run. So we see him at 8,100 now, and I do like that price for him, and I think that maybe people are scared off by, by the ankle concern, but if he can push through it, I think later in the season I'm going to be more worried about it. But for right now, I think that 8,100, I think he's going to be really low-owned um, because of that, and I think that this matchup sets up uh, relatively well for him. So I, I kind of sneakily like Fournette a little bit this week. All right, I'm going to pass on Howard and Ajayi. Just too much inconsistency there. I know there's opportunity, but I'd much rather go with 6,700 Christian McCaffrey, who ever since the Calvin Benjamin trade, the arrow's been pointing up. The reception totals have been strong, and the matchup against the Jets is very favorable. He's coming up back-to-back 17-plus point weeks. Uh, I'm a big fan of McCaffrey at 67, and if you don't want to pay up for Kamara, to me, there's your very similar skill set and opportunity without the cost. Yeah, no, yeah, you're getting you're getting Walmart brand uh, Alvin Kamara at that. So I'm with you there, 6,700. That that's uh, that's really nice. I, I, what do you what do you choose between like him and then $300 more for Ajayi? Do you think that Ajayi is just uh, too too inconsistent with the workload? Well, uh, that's the thing. The thing is, it's the workload. It's the other guys around. It's Blunt. It's Clement now who worries the hell out of me catching touchdowns and doing things around the, the goal line area. So for me, it's still a bound of the volume. And because of that, for 300 hours less, I'd rather go with McCaffrey, who I think will have more volume. And I keep going back to it. It's only half point PPR, but it adds up. It all adds up. So give me the extra receptions on the McCaffrey side. Lamar Miller is going to be the lone dog now. The Houston Texans, we got a tough matchup against Baltimore. I would stay away from this. If it was a different matchup, I would actually be more on Lamar Miller this week, but I'm going to be off of that. Uh, are you in lockstep there? Are you going to fade him? Yeah, I, w- I would try unless it's you know unless it's a really proven commodity, you know, like like a Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I'm trying to avoid using running backs against the Ravens' run defense. It's just it's really it's been really really tough uh, since Brandon Williams got back in the middle there, and it, it obviously held the Packers and check on the ground, not that the Packers really had uh, their full complement of running backs, but um, I have my doubts about Lamar Miller anyway, so even with the added opportunity with, with Foreman being being done for the season, I still would try to avoid him as well. Now, Deion Lewis is touching the ball around 14, 15 times a game, and that's consistently. Now, that's works obviously goes up whenever he gets in the end zone. You're looking at the difference between a nine-point day and a, and a 15-point day, but you know, there's plenty of opportunity here for Deion Lewis again. Now the price is climbing up at 6,200. Um, I think of all the guys, I still feel best about Lewis and the way he's using this offense. Tevin Coleman, oddly enough, we, he's the only guy there now, and he's basically stopping an entity in the passing game. Now, I don't know if that was a game plan decision or a decision of you're going to take this role and instead of you being the guy in the passing game, we're going to spread that out to the tight ends and the wide receivers. But from a daily fantasy standpoint, I did not like the Coleman usage, even though he did deliver 12 points. I don't like the direction that's going. I mean, that, that was definitely weird. And, and if, um, you know, if Devontae Freeman's out again, it, it'll be interesting to see if, if that trend carries over. But, but what I will say is that Seattle – uh, ranked second against opposing running backs as pass catchers. So maybe it was part of that game plan uh, situation. Then on the flip side, uh, this week, Tampa Bay is 27th in that, in that same regard. So if Atlanta does opt to, uh, to use the running back as a pass catcher more, then I think Coleman's uh, usage in that, in that aspect uh, goes back up. So, and it makes last week looks a bit more like an aberration. 
Now, I've got two dart throws at running back this week that I want to talk about. One is Devontae Booker, who I think is, again, another guy trending on the way up. With the new coordinator, I'd be fascinated to see how they use him, especially when you watch how running backs catching the ball were able to just roll all over the place on Oakland. And then the other one is my boy, Scrappy Danny Woodhead, back. He got his feet wet in the pool last week. This week, I think he goes in all the way up to his swimming trunks, and he's going to uh, be a return on investment. He's at home, 5,400. It's a good matchup against the Houston team that's been struggling. So for me, I'm willing to get into the Danny Woodhead business. How about you? You like either of these guys, or you got a special discount guy of your own? Uh, no, I'm, de- I'm definitely interested in, in the Woodhead. Um, I, th- I think that that snap count is going to come up. They sort of eased him back into action a little bit this past week. And also, I think Baltimore just kind of wanted to stick to the ground game uh, to run out the clock a little bit later on. Maybe this game going up against Houston will be a little bit uh, more back and forth in that sense. And, and you know, the, the Ravens will need to throw it a little bit more. Uh, if that's the case, then Woodhead certainly profiles uh, really nicely. Um, I did want to get your opinion on on uh, Bilal Powell coming off the bye just at 5,800. I feel like he's kind of a, a forgotten commodity for this week. Um, is there anything to be seen there? Or do you think that, you know, with Forte uh, potentially uh, being back in the mix, that, that would hurt him? It seems like every time Forte is around, it's going to hurt him. And yeah. you know what? I, I keep saying this, you know, and you go back to the last time that, uh, you know, against Tampa two weeks ago where he had no Forte and he put up two points. Yeah. Right? You know, and, and to me, that's something I just can't, I can't have it, can't have it, won't have it. Uh, that's why I think I prefer the guys like Danny Woodhead because nobody's run away with that job. And they acquired Woodhead. They were excited about having him. And Woodhead was a guy when he played with the Chargers. He got active in the goal line too. That was a guy that was catching the ball around the goal line and, and you know, sneaky plays like that. So he has touchdown upside in Bilal Powell. I just, I just can't buy it, can't get into it. Wide receiver side, Antonio Brown, 9,600. Mod on, that's a spicy meatball. Uh, AJ Green. Doug Baldwin. Now, Doug Baldwin at 79, I think, is, I mean, against the 49ers. I don't know who's doing the pricing, who got drunk or had too much turkey here. But uh, to me, 7,900 for Baldwin, I think, is a great value against San Fran and an almost must pairing with Russell Wilson and Cash. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up the, like, the pairing aspect there. Um, you know, going against San Francisco to begin with, I would, I would love Baldwin. Uh, the price makes it even better. So uh, considering that, that Wilson is such a strong play at quarterback this week, uh, for for his pricing, uh, I think that the Baldwin uh, Wilson stack may, makes a ton of sense. Um, I do want to get your opinion on Julio Jones because he saw a ton of targets this past week. I uh, just didn't convert them on. One of them was inside the five yard line. He just wasn't able uh, to get into the end zone with it. Um, but this this is still a situation where going against um, the Buccaneers and that and that you know leaky leaky secondary uh, with Matt Ryan playing a little bit better in this game being at home. And now the Georgia Dome doesn't exist next door. Maybe, maybe the maybe things are just uh, working in the Falcons' favor a little bit uh, better. So uh, I do like Jones at seventy eight hundred as well. Well, he's the guy that if I'm doing multi entry, that you flip out Baldwin from a lineup and you throw in Julio instead, and you you know do a Baldwin lineup and then do a Julio lineup. The reason why I like Baldwin so much though is because you know this defense for Seattle is all kinds of banged up, man. No Sherman. Uh, you know, injuries in the secondary everywhere. And, and, you know, to me, 
there's a chance that Sam Fran's going to, you know, I don't want to say keep it a game, but for lack of a better word, you know, I don't think they're going to roll over. Which yeah, they're going to be annoying enough to where Seattle has to exactly, play. and that, and that's, and that's, I don't think it's one of these spots where because Seattle can't run the ball effectively, I don't think it's even a spot where they're going to be able to sit on a lead. So that's why I prefer Baldwin and DeAndre Hopkins from a volume standpoint, even against the Ravens, who have played very well recently. Um, I know the matchups have helped, but still the defense played very well. 7,600 for Hopkins. To me, there's another guy where the volume is so huge. Now you got these other guys here. You got cooks coming off a big game, but I think that's a tricky one to get involved in. Uh, T Y Hilton at home. Another one that I think it needs. You need a lot of testicular fortitude, (laughs) so to speak, to get involved here. But how about Devin Funches at 73 as a, a fade from this very top tier? This is a guy that's, you know, another one trending in the right direction. The target volume has been steady all year. I, you can't expect a two-touchdown game, but against the Jets, what are your thoughts on Funches at 73? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you bring up Funches because it, the volume uh, hasn't been, like, astronomical, and I think part of that has to do with, with Cam just liking to check it down to, to McCaffrey a fair bit, but uh, it seems like Funches' catch rate is really spectacular. It's something where, you know, if, if he gets seven great targets, he's going to come in with at least six of them. Um, and going against the, the Jets' uh, pass defense that ranks, you know, in the bottom 10 in the league in terms of DVOA, um, that's something – that's a matchup that, that Funches can definitely take advantage of. And, you know, with Benjamin out of the picture officially in Carolina, I think this sets up well for Funches. I mean, we saw what he did before the bye week uh, the first week without Benjamin. He really does look like the new number one for Carolina, and he seems to be on the verge of a true breakout here. So 7,300 – if you are fading that that top tier, or if you wanted to, uh, you know, go a little bit cheaper at running back and get two expensive or expensive-ish receivers, then Funches should be part of that grouping. Jarvis Landry, we nailed again last week, seventy-one hundred this week at New England. I'm fine with this one. Uh, Landry, you know who Landry is, and I've and I've figured it out. He this year has become Eric Decker of two years ago. Remember that year where Eric Decker every week was fourteen points, no matter what he did. Yeah. Whether it be scoring a touchdown, whether it was just every lineup I had for the entire season of twenty fifteen had Eric Decker of the Jets in it. And that's pretty much how I feel about Jarvis Landry. Sixteen, twelve, twelve, five, okay, fine. Eighteen, sixteen, twelve. I mean, that's his last seven games or eight games. And that that's just a, a terrific run here for Landry. And I don't think it stops just because of Matt Moore. I do think Kenny Stills, though, at the $5,600 price is certainly worth getting involved in as well. And if you think Miami's playing from behind, then my goodness, why wouldn't you want maybe even both of them? Right. I don't know if I'm go- if I'm uh, quite ballsy enough to go with the two Dolphins receivers, but I think both Stills uh, and Landry make sense. I think Stills especially, I saw some interesting uh, stats this past week that uh, Matt Moore does tend to favor Stills over like a Devontae Parker. So I'm, I would fade Parker no matter what. Um, but I think uh, Landry, the volume like you like you read out, double digits more often than not. I think that that's certainly a lock. Um, but Stills sneakily uh, also makes plenty of sense too. I think that, yeah, this New England defense, as you know, uh, not necessarily world beaters. Uh, usually that's, that's more uh, their offense. So either of those guys make sense. I'm probably not doing both in the same lineup. But, yeah, I, I think I could see myself with, with multiple lineups with one each. All right. Now, once you hit 7K – this spot gets real wacky at wide receiver. Uh, Cooper is a guy that I never like. I don't care what the situation, what the game you're playing. Uh, Crabtree, I do like. It's just, you know, uh, I'm not uncertain about the matchup because Denver hasn't been good offensively. I think Crabtree is fine at 6,900. It's a perfectly fine one. 
Schuster's dealing with a hamstring injury. Uh, Robbie Anderson has a tough matchup. Devontae Adams also has a tough matchup. Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas, these guys, the first game of Paxton Lynch was a bit of unknown. Really, until you get down to Richard Matthews at 63, that's the first guy again that I go, all right, Indianapolis can't stop anybody. This is a good opportunity for Matthews. He's coming off a good game despite Mariota's shortcomings. I can still live with him at 63. Is there anybody else in this grouping, in this second tier, that you feel pretty good at before we get to the, the tournament dart throw value guys? Honestly, not not a lot. I, I don't think I'm going to be going after this group much. I, I think that, you know, some of them, a guy like Rashard Matthews, like you mentioned, you know, I, I could see him getting you like the 8 to 12 points uh, going against Indianapolis. But I think I might drop it down. And, you know, I'm certainly not being overly uh, cavalier in, in thinking this. But I think a guy like Cooper Cup uh, with Robert Woods banged up, I think he's in line for, for a higher volume uh, this coming week. So I think that Cup at 5,400, uh, if you mentioned like the, the sort of dart throw type of deal. I think that he kind of fits that bill. And, and you know, at 5,400, that, that saves you a good bit of coin if you wanted to go really expensive at other spots. All right. I talked about stills already, <clears throat> trying to find some more value pit guys. I know Marquise Lee is a guy that I've talked about that I really like. I know last week the weather was a bad situation. The matchup is tough this week, but I still believe in Marquise Lee despite the Peterson matchup. Uh, I still think Marquise Lee can do enough for you where he's priced. The rest of these guys, the one that another one jumps out at me, actually there's two, Corey Coleman against Cincinnati and Mohamed Sanu uh, against Tampa. I think those are two guys. I think the ceiling is limited, but at the same time, if they're 5,800, do I feel like they can get me into double digits? Yeah, I think they can get there. How about you? Do you buy into both of those guys? Yeah, I think I like Coleman a little bit more going against uh, Cincy, but I mean, Sanu as the number two target in that Atlanta offense, and and like we've been saying, we we both imagine that Atlanta's going to have a pretty easy time uh, moving the ball on the Bucs, so I like both of those guys. And then uh, moving down, this is, is again, uh, a bit of a dart throw, another rookie, um, but Corey Davis, uh, his target volume, even though he hasn't turned it into a ton uh, recently, uh, the last two weeks, he's at, he has 17 targets. He's only caught seven of them, so that that's a below-average uh, type of catch rate. If he can just get that up to league average, and if he sees double-digit targets going against that Indianapolis secondary that we've said is really susceptible to the passing game, I think that Davis could potentially pay off too at 54. All right, before we go to the tight ends, you have to realize over 2.5 million players have won cash prizes playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RotoWire, and you'll get a free six-month RotoWire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than 1 million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RotoWire. Void. Where. Prohibited. <sighs> Now, tight ends. You got Gronk at 77, a, a cheap Gronk, I might add. Uh, whenever you see Gronk with a seven, that's one of those things that makes me go, well, well hello, <laughs> Mr. Gronkowski. How are you? Greetings. <clears throat> Greetings, sir. You know, because all of a sudden, that, you know, you're paying for a guy that, you know, we all know the upside of Gronk. And Gronk hasn't had enormous games, but, you know, he's still Gronk. He still has the touchdown upside. And... You know, coming off a down game, I almost feel like it's kind of almost begging for a little Gronk. Are, are you begging for a little Gronk? Yeah, I, th- I think it definitely makes sense. And, and then you consider uh, who they're going against. And, and you know, again, I'm going to be trying to make some Tom Brady lineups. And it's a little bit tough to pick uh, which receiver that for the Patriots to go with. But I feel like Gronk is always a good one to land on. 
And like you said, at 7,700, like anytime you see uh, Gronk at, at under 8K, it's, it's, you know, kind of jarring. It's like, wow, okay, this sort of changes how I'm approaching my lineup. And I think that this is, this is a week where, where I do anticipate, as you say, the Gronk smash happening uh, at home against Miami who can't really stop anyone, especially someone uh, like Gronkowski. All right, you got Zach Ertz, who's always a good play at 76, always safe. So if you really, you know, you're a little afraid of Gronkowski's up and down, look, they're basically the same. Or like we said earlier, if you want to do multi-entries, there's your flip-flop if you want to get a little differential and, you know, play it that way. Kelsey at 75. Did not score the touchdown. You know, we talked about it. We Ugh. said, wouldn't it be hilarious, right, <laughs> if he's the first guy this year against the Giants, you know, the Higbees of the world and the Garrett Selleck's of the world, and yet Travis Kelsey can't get in the end zone against the New York Giants. But, you know, 7,500 still decent. Jimmy Graham is going to be all kinds of chalk at 7K, and I, I, it's, it's hard to argue with it. I really can't. But I want to talk about somebody who's back in the mix. Let's go. It's Charles Clay. His mama called him Clay. I'm going to call him Clay. And, you know, he's back in the mix. Now, I understand, you know, some of those games there, there was a little quiet spell. But let us not forget the opening of the season. Charles Clay was a machine with Tyrod Taylor. You think the Blues Brothers getting back together again in this one, huh? What do you think? Well, that, that's, def- that's definitely interesting. I was not expecting you uh, to go the clay route. But, yeah, against Kansas City, since uh, er- since the beginning of the season when Eric Berry went down, uh, the Chiefs have not been tough uh, against tight ends. And, and I think clay is the best, p- best pass-catching option uh, that the Bills have right now. And, and yes, that, that is including a, a Calvin Benjamin. I think that clay a healthy clay is the best of that bunch. And I think Tyrod does like to look for him when he's healthy. So uh, that makes plenty of sense. But what do you make of the other guy that, that is supposed to be uh, potentially coming back uh, in Greg Olson? You know what? I can't do it. Greg Olson, to me, looked a little old and slow last year. There was a weird dip in his productivity in the middle of the year last year where I thought maybe this guy's starting to show a little age. And getting him ramped up into this offense, I would be concerned about the snap count and daily to make an investment okay. quite yet. But uh, I understand why people might. I also understand why people might want to throw a dart at O.J. Howard after a big game there. Uh, Cameron Brake doesn't seem to be a guy either that Ryan Fitzpatrick likes. But, I, again, same thing. I worry about the volume, whereas Clay, I feel like, well, Clay's kind of part of the deal over there, you know, especially with Tyrod Taylor back. I know Tyler Croft is a guy, too. He's questionable with the hand injury. But Croft is another one that all you need to do is get in the end zone. Uh, Croft seems to be able to do that. He's kind of basically filled in for the Tyler Eifert role in that offense. So he's another one where it's not terrible, but you know, it's 5,700. That's, that's kind of, if you're going to punt, I say punt with Charles Clay, otherwise go up into the Jimmy Graham range and get what you pay for at tight end. All right. Well, what, one last uh, guy to, to ask from the, from this group. Uh, well, Shaheen, he caught the touchdown this past week, you know, the post uh, Zach Miller era, we're trying to see uh, which tight end kind of emerges for, for Chicago, but he's going against Philadelphia. So that's kind of tough. But what did you make of Ricky Seals Jones? Because, you know, he only saw eight snaps, but he was targeted five times. So that's just an absurdly high percentage. And he caught two touchdowns. So, I mean, is that, is that something where I, obviously you're not going to see that quite again? And going against the Jaguars, it's a different story. But is that someone to maybe look out for? Oh, I definitely think he's a tournament play. Uh, I think he is. And I also love his name because he absolutely sounds like a late 70s R&B singer. So, right <laughs> off the bat, he had me at Ricky Seals-Jones. I mean, uh, his debut album definitely had a Jerry Curl, I'm pretty sure. 
and and I just uh, I've had lots of songs on it that you know were good for making love. Uh, I'm pretty sure Ricky Seals Jones, but you're you know what? <clears throat> yeah, he, play, he plays he plays bass for um for for <laughs> teams or something. <laughs> yeah, he's, he was definitely you know to go with another coming to America reference. I think he was the bass player for Sexual Chocolate. There you go. Sure. <laughs> You know, there you go. Not one, but two coming to America references in the same show. How you like us now? Um, but yeah, I, I think that's another one too. Same price. There you go. Th- there's a lot of this theme this week, which is starting to scream multi-entry. Now, if you don't want, if you're not a multi-entry kind of person, I understand. But if you are, there's a lot of really good pivots. You know, we talk about Clay Seals Jones. We talked about uh, some of those wide receivers in that number one tier that you can interchange in and out also some guys like Kamar and Ingram you could change them in and out Um, McCaffrey's got some changeability in there so there's a lot of opportunity there for different lineups and look part of the reason you're getting this is because of the heavy Thursday slate when you have the three games on Thanksgiving you know the Sunday tends to be a little wacky so that's something to keep in mind all right we got bankroll from from the Thursday games so why not use it for well there you go Let's talk about defenses. The Jaguars, top of the board, 5,500 at Arizona. That's a little too rich for my blood. Uh, Seattle, I don't know how they get off uh, as 5,100. I know it's San Fran, but I, I just um, – 5,100, no no, thank you. Uh, I do like Carolina at 5K, and I do like Baltimore 5K. Those are the two defenses that, for me, are screaming to own. Uh, how about for you, is there a top defense that you're willing to pay up for this week? Yeah, and this really isn't just because, uh, you know, I, I was just at Lambeau watching them or, or that I'm going to be at this game uh, Monday night, but the, the Ravens do take advantage of bad quarterback play. That's that's ten, that's kind of their recipe for success, and the, the schedule is sort of set up that way uh, this year, uh, whether it's week one against Andy Dalton with the four interceptions, and they had four interceptions the next week against Kaiser. They, they do tend to take a heavy advantage of bad quarterbacks, and certainly that, that fits the bill. Uh, in Houston, and it's going to be at home where the Ravens are tough uh, historically as a defense. Uh, so I do like them a fair bit. I think there's there's probably um, a little bit more turnover upside with them, but I do like uh, your call there with, with the Panthers as well going against the Jets. But by virtue of that one being on the road versus the Ravens being at home, I give the lean to the Ravens. You also got the Eagles at home against the Bears, which is a good one. Pittsburgh at home against Green Bay, which is another one. And I New like England. that a lot. I, I think the I think the Green Bay offense has completely you know <laughs> lost its marbles because yeah, Hunley yeah. just looked completely out of sorts. Uh, I think the Steelers probably pound for pound might have a better defense in Baltimore, uh, and they're going to be at home. So that this really, I, I mean, we might be seeing an, a second consecutive shutout for the Green Bay offense. And don't look now, kids, but that New England Patriot defense hey is starting to put up points because what do, they, what do the Patriots do? They bend, don't break, and they create turnovers. Now, that was a problem because they were breaking early in the year and not getting turnovers. That worm has turned. Nine points, 13 points, 11, 7, 11 in the last five games here. All of a sudden, the New England Patriots are looking like an offense and against Miami. Uh, to me, that's a no-brainer. Another one, there's a lot of options, a lot of ways you can go. You don't have to go all the way up to the top of the board. And if you don't want to pay anything, if you want to go all the way down, what are your thoughts on the Cleveland Browns at 4,100 against Cincinnati? I say the Cleveland Browns get on the board with a W this week. That's what I say. Ooh. You wow. Like that? I mean, yeah, you took it a step further. Like, oh, uh, yeah. I was about to say, like, hey, that, you know, that defense, it, you know, it, it's not half bad. And, uh, but getting on the board, I mean, the, the Bengals really can kind of double down on, on like, you know, 
this team sucks. It's like, oh, really? We'll, we'll see what Hold we my beer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of what Peterman did for Mariota last week. He said, oh, four picks? Psh, all right, I got you. you. Just wait, buddy. Give me I one got half. you, son. <laughs> Give me one half and I'll do it. So, yeah, I think that <laughs> the, uh, the Browns are interesting. I think that certainly, you know, down the rest of this board, uh, that these are all defenses that, that you otherwise couldn't use. Uh, you know, you're not going with the Packers – going on the road to face Roethlisberger at home that that's that's you know scary for for many reasons I think uh you know the Dolphins going against the the Patriots uh offense that you wouldn't want to do that but Andy Dalton I think he could turn the ball over I think we could see some strip sack action here so I'm kind of with you there and I think that the Rams aren't that bad of a play either I think last week was was oddly bad for them but they're going to be back at home I think the Saints offense, for how, for how good it is, and obviously they hung 47 up in Buffalo, but I think that's going to drive drive off the ownership. But I think it's still a talented enough unit to maybe, maybe work out. All right, let's get to the bonus question. All is right with the world again. I'm back on top on the scoreboard for the year. So 7-6, to six, the question was, who scored more points, LaShawn McCoy or Jay Ajayi? I could feel you cursing at your screen on Sunday Night Football. I could just feel it. Uh, but McCoy got 25, Jay Ajayi 16, so uh, the win goes there. Uh, also, you know, what was Kelsey's ownership last week? Did you see? Because that was another question that we were kind of tossing around how high it would be. Uh, you know, I'd have to go back and take a look. It's funny. Yeah, I mean, I actually, t- yeah I'll take a look at and uh, tweet I faded Kelsey you. completely. I didn't own him anywhere last week, and I, <laughs> I was glad that I didn't because because it was just well, – I think oh, look, he still put up a good day. Still put up 100 yards, but that's, you know – the touchdown. The touchdown against is the what Giants. It's like it's, it's like Giants. a prerequisite for playing against the Giants as a tight end. Come on. Well, here we go. We're gonna go back to the well quarterback and have ourselves a little fun. You got Blaine Gabbard against the Jacksonville Jaguars coming off a fantastic outing for the Blaine for the Blaine Gabbard or Gabert if uh, if you're French, I guess. Uh, <laughs> you know, I actually if he has another good game, I'm gonna call him Blaine Gabert for the rest of the year. Uh, or Paxton Lynch making his 2017 debut. Who has more points, Gabert or Paxton Lynch? All right, well, well you got the win last week, so, uh, so uh, I'll let you go first pick here. All right, I'm going to go with Gabert. I'm going to go Gabert, and I think he can do it because uh, despite how good they are, I think he's going to chuck the ball around a little bit, and I think Arians is going to find some ways to get creative and uh, I'm sticking to it. How about you, Lynch or Gabel? Yeah, all right. I'll, I'll take the Lynch route. I think that you know Lynch. Ah, Lynch. Right. Would, would, the, I think it's it's mostly matchup is is my rationale here. Um, so it, I think that neither of these guys, if either of these guys get over 15 points, I'll be kind of surprised. But um, I like Lynch's odds a little bit better. I think that uh, Oakland's defense is is significantly significantly worse than what Gabbert's going to be. Uh, going up against, but you might be right, and also you might have the Gabbert uh, revenge game uh, going against his, the team that drafted him. <laughs> so you might have me there. Oh, there's not enough Blaine Gabbert revenge narrative going around. I'll tell you what, as much as I love fantasy football and as much as I love daily fantasy, I really love these little bonus questions the most. It's what I watch. I, I really watch for it every weekend. It's my favorite thing. So uh, that'll do it for us today. So uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Johnny McKex. You can follow me at Joe Pizapia 17 For everybody here at Rotowire, have a great weekend of Daily Fantasy. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.